Good morning, friends. You can go ahead and take a seat. Welcome to Cedar Mill. My name is Pastor Dave. It's great to be with you today on this Easter Sunday as we celebrate resurrection. I have to tell you, I've been looking forward to this day and even to this message uh, for a long time. But I also have to confess that I am going to begin this sermon in a way and with a word that I never actually anticipated ever uh, beginning an Easter uh, sermon with. And Tom, I know you're a little nervous there. I can see that. Um, but I guess we got to go for it. So here we go. Smallpox. Smallpox is one of the most deadly diseases in all of human history. Smallpox is an airborne virus that is highly contagious. And of those who are infected with it, 30% of adults and over 80% of children die. It's a disease that begins slowly as a rash in the mouth and throat before spreading over the entire body in the form of small, raised, fluid-filled blisters or pox on the skin. Scientists actually have written record of smallpox or the Red Plague, as it was originally called, as early as 1500 BC in ancient India. Some scientists believe that this disease actually goes as, goes as far back as 10,000 years before Jesus in the country of Egypt. In Japan, the smallpox epidemic of 735 to 737, just three years It's believed to have killed as much as one-third of the Japanese population. At its height, smallpox took the lives of of 400,000 Europeans a year and one out of every ten Swedish-born infants. Carried to the Americas by European settlers, smallpox devastated the Native American population with fertility, uh, fatality rates as, not futility or fertility, that would be different, um, with fatality rates as high as 80 to 90 percent, and by the mid-1700s, smallpox was a major endemic disease all over the world. But then, the moment of truth came. Then, in 1796, because of the work of Edward Jenner, a physician from rural England, everything changed. Jenner, in his work, discovered that immunity to smallpox could be produced by infecting a person with a similar but much less dangerous disease called cowpox. In fact, Jenner named the material used for infection a vaccine after the Latin word for cow, vaca. This, my friends, was the very first vaccine in the history of the world. And now finally, finally, we were empowered with a weapon to fight this horrific and devastating disease. But we gather today, we come together this morning, not to talk about Edward Jenner. As great as that discovery was, as helpful and healing as that vaccine is, to get today we gather to remember and revere a man, a moment, an event that didn't just eradicate a disease, but every disease. That didn't just prolong people's lives, but offers them eternal life. That didn't just put a mark on the history of the world, but that altered the complete course of our world's history. You see, friends, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, isn't just one more historical event, it's the defining event of all time. 
for all people everywhere, for everyone who feels the impact of pain and oppression and brokenness and disease and death and suffering and sin, this planet has been plagued with since the fall of creation. You see, it's today that we gather to remember the moment when the vaccine for all the forces of evil was offered to this world. But here's the problem. Here's the struggle. Here's the difficulty for us. Sometimes, I believe, on the other side of that discovery, of that significant event, thousands of years later, I think we forget. I think we forget how massively and monstrously and monumentally in that moment, everything changed. See, for many of us, Easter is just this comforting little story that says, spring is here, flowers are blooming, life is eternal, Jesus is alive, and it's a good excuse to wear pastel colors and eat Cadbury cream eggs, which are good, but actually sort of weird when you think about it. (laughs) You know, another thing I noticed this week as I was reading around and looking around, I noticed that a number of stores uh, have Easter sales. Kohl's, Macy's, Target, Walmart, the Popcorn Factory, even... PetSmart is offering Easter and Easter sale. You know, it's kind of a weird thing when you stop and just consider that for a moment. You know, Jesus rose from the grave and defeated death. And now, as a result of that tremendous moment, you can virtually purchase anything you want at a reduced price. (laughs) That's good news. But it's not the good news. You see, friends, if the Bible teaches us anything, if the story of Easter Sunday in the scriptures communicates anything to us at all, it's this. Through this man, through this moment, through this event, everything changed. Everything. And that actually explains, if we accept it, if we believe that, if we receive that, one of the most striking things about the story of Jesus and his resurrection in the Bible, and that's this, the reaction of Jesus' followers to the news that he was alive. Here's how the story plays out. You've heard it before, but but take this journey with me again. It's early Sunday morning, and the women, the female followers of Jesus, are on their way to the tomb to anoint Jesus' body with spices. You see, they think this thing is over. They think it's done. They have watched Jesus hang and bleed and suffer and die on the cross. And now they are coming to the tomb that morning, not expecting to see Jesus alive, not hoping or even praying for a miracle. They are coming with spices to embalm his cold, dead body. Actually, the scriptures tell us that their big worry that morning on the way to the tomb was... How are we going to get in? Who will roll the stone away? That's their big concern. Mark chapter 16. Here's what the gospel writer of Mark tells us. He says, When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, Who will roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? You see... One challenge for us is that we, you and I, we come into Easter Sunday, we come to this moment, and we already know the end of the story. And that's a tremendous thing on one hand, but on another hand, it it robs us of the full experience. You know, a good buddy of mine uh, 
Mike, who's actually here this morning, um, was harassing me this week. He was, you know, this is what buddies do. They harass each other. Even if you're a pastor, your buddies harass you. I don't get a free pass on that. And my buddy Mike, he was saying to me, you know, hey, we're coming to church this week, and I hope you have some new material. Like, I don't want to hear the same old story again that I've heard from you every Easter since I'm going to church. Like, I hope it's fresh. I hope it's, you know, really new and provocative. And of course he was kidding, kind of. Um... But what he points out is actually part of the problem for us. We know the story. We know how it ends. These women don't. These women, they've come to the tomb with no hope, with no sense, with not even the slightest inclination that Jesus might be alive. But then they arrive on the scene and here is what they find. Mark chapter 16. But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. They were alarmed. They were shocked. Friends, when do we get alarmed? When do alarms go off in our world? I'll tell you, alarms go off when things happen that aren't supposed to. When all of a sudden you're confronted with the reality that something isn't right. When your kid is no longer in sight in a public place. When there is smoke filling your house and there shouldn't be. That's when alarms go off. And these women, they walk into this tomb and they are alarmed. What? No body? No Jesus? What's happening here? And so the angel speaks to them. Don't be alarmed. Don't be alarmed. Don't be frightened. Don't be worried. Don't be freaked. Because everything is actually just exactly the way it's supposed to be. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Now friends, Do you see that this is the turning point of the story? Up until now, things have been going down, down, down. They've been getting worse and worse and worse. And here, all of a sudden, the tide starts to turn and things are suddenly beginning to look up. These women have just gotten the news that their beloved teacher and leader and Lord and master is no longer dead, but he has defeated death and he has been raised to new life. Drop the anointing spices, ladies. You don't need them anymore. He's not dead. He's alive. This is the greatest news these women could have possibly have hoped for. Greater than they could have ever even fathomed. But here's the part of the story that is so shocking. Here's the part of the story I want to ask you to carefully consider today. How do they respond? How would you respond? He's not dead. He's alive. Death has been defeated. The grave is overcome. Joy, cheering, shouts, celebration, right? Not these ladies. Jesus has risen from the grave, and here is what we're told. Here is the reaction we get from them. Matthew says it this way. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy. Afraid, terrified, yet filled with joy. Talk about two emotions that absolutely do not go together. Afraid and filled with joy. 
When was the last time you were afraid and yet filled with joy? I mean, have you ever experienced this? I had to think all week, long and hard. Have I ever actually experienced fear, terror, mixed with joy, like deep, soul-satisfying hope? And this guy over here said marriage, and I'll just let you work that out later, Gary. I don't know. I didn't want to go there today. I was hoping for a good family dynamics. So I'm going to choose this story instead. Um, the example I came up with was the moment when my wife told me that she was pregnant with our oldest daughter, our first child. I'll never forget this moment. We were in our bedroom and she gave me this gift. It was this little bib, right, hon? And stencil on it. It said, Daddy, my daddy loves me. And I opened it up and it was like, I'm pregnant. And it's one of those moments where you feel all the pressure in the world as a husband and as a father-to-be to be, like, super excited. But I remember just sitting on the bed with overwhelming fear and sheer terror washing through my mind and heart. I was horrified. I was afraid. And yet, at the same time, overwhelmed with joy. You see... In that moment, I knew that my life was about to radically change. I knew that my life was going to be completely different in ways that I could not even yet comprehend. I was afraid and yet filled with joy. That's these women. Terrified and yet so happy that it seeps down into their bones. Here's here's what Mark says. In Mark's account of the same story, he he relates the, the news that these women get in this way. You know, Jesus is not there. He's defeated death. He's risen from the grave. And then Mark says this, Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were horrified, terrified, afraid. I love that word bewildered, by the way. We should use that word more often. We should bring that word back. Bewildered. Here's what it means. It means thrown into a state of blended fear and wonderment. Thrown into a state of blended fear and like like two flavors of frozen yogurt, like spun and twisted together, inseparable. Fear and wonderment. And, And do you know what I find to be absolutely nuts? What's crazy about... The story of Jesus, especially as it's told in the Gospel of Mark, is this. This is the end of the story. This is how the story ends. The end. Turn the page. Shut the book. It's over. I mean, think about that for a minute. Think about telling a story, the story that Mark has told. It's the story of a baby born of a virgin. He grows into a man, and then he teaches like no one's ever taught. And then he loves like no one has ever loved. And then he performs miracles where he walks on water and feeds thousands and drives out demons and causes the blind to see and the lame to walk. And then this same Jesus is arrested and beaten and crucified and killed. But not even death can defeat him. Not even the grave can hold him down. And on the third day, he rises again to new life, defeating the power of the enemy and the grave once and for all. Friends, how do you think this story should end? With pomp and circumstance and confetti falling from the roof and cheering and shouting and joy and praise, right? This is a happily ever after story if you've ever read one. And yet, here is how Mark ends this great story. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Why would Mark end the story this way? 
What is being communicated to us here, friends? I will tell you. What Mark is showing us is this. He's, he's showing us and he's telling us and he's communicating that when Jesus rose from the grave, these women, encountering this truth, understood the enormity of this situation. They understood that in ways they couldn't possibly even fathom yet, everything had changed. What Mark is telling you and me is that if you really understand Easter, if you even just begin to grasp the implications of what this event means for your life, for the world, for all of creation, for all of eternity, then like the women at the tomb on that day, you will be both afraid and yet filled with joy. You will be bewildered and raptured and overwhelmed by the wonder of what Jesus has accomplished. You see, the Bible says this. All of creation has been groaning. Everything God made, the animals, the environment, our world, our planet, the entire cosmos has been groaning ever since sin, fallenness, brokenness, death entered the world. Groaning. Why do we groan? What does groaning mean? Like, What does groaning communicate? Groaning says... Something's not right. Groaning says something is messed up. Something is broken. Something is not the way it is supposed to be. Earlier this year, my, my son uh, dislocated his thumb very severely. And my wife called me in a panic. And so I raced home. And when I got home, Dax, bless his heart, he was so very brave. And yet I walked in the house to groaning and moaning. Why? Because his thumb which is supposed to be like this, was like this. It was not the way it was supposed to be. The Bible says the same is true for our world. The Bible tells us that things in our world have gotten broken. They are not the way they are supposed to be. And so creation groans to be fixed. It groans to be redeemed. It groans to be restored and be made right. And Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, is the moment that things start to move back in the right direction. It's the moment that the vaccine for the destruction and disintegration of our world is discovered. It's the moment that all of creation begins to go back to the way that God longs for it to be. But here's another amazing thing. Here's another bewildering thing about Easter Sunday. It's not just big and massive and widespread and this out there sort of thing. It's also a very small, personal, intimate in here sort of thing. The Bible says it's actually like a mustard seed that starts very small and it gets planted into the human heart. You see, Jesus did not just come to change everything in the world. He also came to change everything in you and me. The Bible says that it's not just creation that groans, but that we as human beings groan in our souls. Let me say it this way. There are some things that are broken, not right in me, and there are some things that are broken and not right in you. But the power and wonder and joy and amazement of Easter is this. Through the death and resurrection of Jesus, you can be made right with God again. 
You can now, because of Jesus, have a personal relationship with God. You can know Him as your Creator, as the one who is created. Easter Sunday says this, You no longer have to try and manage all of your brokenness alone. Through Jesus, now, His death and resurrection, the vaccine for a life apart from God, now and forever, is available to you. You don't have to be disconnected from your Heavenly Father any longer. You see, friends, resurrection is actually not the end of the story. In many ways, it's the beginning. You know, something real significant about Edward Jenner's discovery back in 1796 is that it's the moment when the story doesn't end. It's actually, in fact, the story when in many ways the the story of smallpox and this discovery just begins. Did you know that it would take almost 200 years before on October 26th of 1977, the last case of smallpox would be reported in Somalia, in Africa? It would take over 200 years before on May 8th, 1990, the World Health Assembly would finally declare smallpox completely and 100% totally eradicated from our planet. But it all started, it all began, it all kicked off with that moment in 1796. You see, friends, the death and resurrection of Jesus is very similar. Through Him, through Christ, God is launching a cure. He's writing a story, and it's a story of hope, and it's a story of healing, and it's a story that will redeem and restore all of creation back to the way God longs for things to be. And the most wonderful, the most powerful, the most beautiful and amazing part of this story is this. You can be part of it. God invites you to be part of it. He wants you to be part of it. In fact, He longs for you to be a part of His redemption story. And so today, let me ask you this. Got any brokenness in your life right now? Got any places where... Things just aren't right and they need to be. And try as you have and try as you might and try as you will, you will never, ever, ever be able to fix all the stuff that's messed up in you. Is the story of your life one that has meaning and purpose and satisfaction and the redeeming power of Easter on its side? Are you living a story that will ultimately, one day at the end of the road, lead to eternal peace and hope and joy and satisfaction? Will it lead to the things that your heart truly longs for and wants? Or have you bought into a story that ultimately will just be a dead end? You see, friends, the story of Easter, the offer of Easter is this. Maybe it's time to trade in the world story. Maybe it's time to trade in your story for a story fueled by the power of God to defeat and overcome all the forces of the evil in this world that will ever come your way. You see, that's actually what it means to be a Christ follower. To say, I no longer want my story. I'll no longer live for a false narrative. A story that the world will offer me and thrust at me that will ultimately lead to nothing. But I instead will embrace God's story. And that's what what baptism is all about. Some of you have wondered, what is baptism? Baptism is just a public declaration that says, yes, I want to do that. I accept the death and resurrection of Jesus to change everything in my life. To change who I am. And what I live for, 
to change my mind and heart and attitudes and actions, to change my standing before God, and ultimately to even change my eternity. Baptism says, I die to writing and living my own story and instead receive the free invitation to be raised to new life and live as a part of the phenomenal, amazing, wonderful story of redemption God is now writing through Jesus in this world. You see, it's a beautiful thing to enter into the greatest story ever written. And there are some folks from our community who are going to declare that very thing today. And I want to tell you about just a few of them. This is Dee Dee Osborne. Dee Dee and her daughter Ella are going to be baptized in just a bit in this service today. And Dee Dee's story is that in this world, bought into the story of this world, she found herself wrestling with fear and worry and anxiety. And then one morning here at Cedar Mill, after hearing the good news of God's grace and love for her, Dee Dee came forward to pray with someone. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit told her how much God loves her and how much he accepts her and how much he invites her into something else. And so she became a follower of Jesus. That's the moment when her story ended and God's story began. And now God has changed everything for her. Then there's Terry. Terry was baptized at our 9 o'clock service. And everything changed for her when she decided to find peace and hope and joy in Jesus instead of drugs. And now she lives a life bigger than and beyond herself because she is a part of God's story. Thank you, Terry, for shining for Jesus where you are. This is my friend, Bron. Bron... Maybe has a story that's similar to some of yours. He was raised in the church and he always knew about Jesus. He actually considered himself to be a very religious person. But then one day a friend talking to him asked him, Bron, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? Do you know God on a personal and intimate level? And Bron, after being forced to consider this, decided to let Jesus not just into his mind, but into his heart and into his emotions and into his entire life. And that set him on a journey with the Lord that he is still on to this day. And then there's my friend Haley Burnick. You'll see her baptized in just a moment. When I asked Haley, why do you want to be baptized today? Here's what she wrote. After my abusive relationship last year, Even though it was one of the hardest things I have ever gone through, I feel closer to Jesus than I have ever felt before because of it. Once I admitted that I was broken and I couldn't heal on my own, I began to allow Jesus to make me feel worthy and whole again. You see, that's a girl with a new story. That's a girl who's entered into the resurrection story of God. And then there's Kelly... Kelly comes from a family with a lot of dysfunction and as a result of that, she grew up always hurting and feeling empty inside and so she kept looking to the things of this world, to relationships and substances and experiences to fix what was happening in her life, to fix the brokenness, but none of it worked and she said she always had this sense that something was missing. But then today... She got baptized, and even though she calls herself a baby Christian, a brand new Christian, God is at work in her life, and she is walking the path of living out a different story. And then finally, there's Maddie. Maddie was baptized today. It was 
one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Maddie's story is that she was born with a disability that actually makes her life pretty hard. And she told me that everything changed for her when she decided to believe and to actually receive into her heart and life the fact that God loves her just the way she is. And she was baptized today to say that she will now trust Jesus as Savior and Lord to help her face and overcome every single challenge this world will bring her way. Maddie is now living a new, a better, a victorious, a death-defeating, life-giving story. You see, friends, the everything-changed power of Easter is alive and well today. It didn't just happen back then. The ripple effects continue and it is moving forward. The kingdom and love and grace and mercy of God is advancing in this world still today. The vaccine has been discovered. The cure has been found. And now we are moving towards the total and complete eradication of sin and death and suffering and oppression and depression in this world. You can be a part of that story. You can be a part of that story. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I receive who you are. I receive what you've done. And I want to be a part of it. Friends, in just a minute, uh, a number of folks from our community are going to share about why they're being baptized and they're going to be baptized. But before they do, I want to just give you a chance to maybe think for a moment about your relationship with God. Where you're at with God, really. Where are you at, really, with Jesus? Do you know about Him? Do you know of Him? Or do you believe in Him? Do you love Him? Have you received Him? Have you attached your life, your journey, your story to His? If not, the invitation is still available. You can be a part of the greatest story ever written, the most powerful, wonderful thing this world has ever seen or will ever know, the death and resurrection of Jesus, the defeat of sin and evil in this world. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this story of victory and hope. Thank you for not just standing far off, but for coming close and for offering yourself to us. You invite us, Lord, on to a path of trusting you and knowing you and following you. And this morning, God, there may be people here who don't, who haven't, who aren't living that story. And so today, um, if your Holy Spirit is tugging on anyone's heart, if you're speaking to anyone's mind, I just want to give them the opportunity, Father, to say, Jesus, I do love you. I do receive you. I do believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. And I declare with my mouth that you are Lord and Savior, that you are King, and that I want to die to my story so that I can live yours. Thank you, Father, for who you are, for your love, for your grace, for your mercy, for the way that you meet us where we are and then take us from there. We love you so much. We pray it all in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.